Welcome everyone to the first official episode of Design Considered by Walcott. I am Alexander Tatunji and I am so excited to be kicking this thing off with you today. And to start things off, we have the three partners who make up this Walcott family of ours. Uh, joining us today, we have AJ Wilder, Amanda Collips, and Carlos Carrasquillo. And these three make up the, the leaders who steer this ship. And before we dive into any further topics on architecture and design, I thought it was really important for us to kind of get an understanding of who they are and what they're about. So, so thanks for being here and excited to get it started. We are too. So to get started here, uh, let's just go around the, the virtual roundtable here. And I'd love to hear about each of your individual backgrounds and kind of the things that led you to where you are today. So AJ, I'll uh, kick it off with you. Sure. Uh, I was uh, brought up in a family of contractors. And as I was coming up and growing up, I started to realize that architects really didn't know what they were doing. And they'd come up with great designs and they didn't know what they would cost, et cetera. And I said, well, you know, like any other 20 some odd year old that I wanted to change the industry and come in with a different approach, which is what I would consider more practical approach, which is viewing all the designs and the product through the eyes of the customer and understanding uh, how to deliver it to them without any surprises. That's so interesting. And, and I think. I think you were ahead of the game on that. I think more more than ever, people are having to ask that question of how do we look at things through the eyes of the consumer, right? As especially as we get into a more experience and and user driven uh, kind of landscape right now. And so that's that's a great thing to be kind of at the core of what drives you in this. Uh, Amanda, how about you? Well, I uh, I'm from uh, Ohio originally, a uh, daughter of doctor of physics, Ince from Latvia, and a super creative wow. mom who did a lot of creative writing and was really engaged in raising her five daughters. Uh, always loved art and drawing and drafting. And when I decided to go up to Kent State for school, uh, wanted to go into fine art as my major. Parents said no can do. Wow. And pretty much insists that I go into architecture, hopefully something that will pay the bills. Little did they know about our industry. Um, and I ended up starting out in architecture, playing uh, Division One basketball at Kent State. And eventually, because my coach said architecture and basketball are like oil and water, switched my major to interior design. And uh, upon graduation, went through the first recession in the mid-90s. Packed a U-Haul up, came to California, and kind of the rest is history. Partnered up with AJ, uh, you know, almost over 15 years ago, and it's been a really great ride since, and now partnering with Carlos. Wow, so so no pressure. A very pressure-free journey to the career you're in now, it sounds like. Yep. <laughs> awesome, thank you. Carlos, how about you? Uh, for, for me, it's, it's, it's interesting. My, um, I'm, uh, I'm technically what you would call an army brat, right? Uh, my father was in the military. Uh, we're, we're Puerto Rican. So, uh, I always would go back home every summer to Puerto Rico. I, I, I actually started college in Puerto Rico. Um, so, so, so my childhood and upbringing, uh, involved a lot of seeing the world and seeing, you know, pretty significant, uh, architectural pieces, uh, 
that are world class, right? I, I didn't quite have the appreciation for them as a as a kid, uh, um, but I still understood, and it still uh, uh, stuck with me that these are important uh, important pieces of society, right? Uh, so I, I've I've always had a flair for for the arts or the creative world. I, I I wasn't one of those kids that you know was seven years old and said I'm going to be an architect. Uh, <laughs> I you know at one point I wanted to be a graffiti artist. At at one point I wanted to be a graphic designer. Um, uh, it, 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 but it's always been in that realm. And and as the clueless uh, art driven individual that I was, I I just assumed that architecture was was a way to make money in the arts right and uh and and you have this idea of what an architect is in your head um as you're growing up that's that's slightly different but but at the same time there are there are some some truths that stayed in there um so so i've i've uh career-wise landed in a position where i've always been quote unquote the designer um and and kind of have been able to to exercise that creative muscle uh and and i love it so um i i've i've done quite a bit of 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 what i'd call large-scale projects quite a bit of small scale so it's always been all over the place but it's always very design intensive uh and that's basically what i pride myself on in the professional world that's fascinating i i love that background and how it's inspired you to value these spaces in a deeper way and uh, kind of leads into another question, which is, you know, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this disconnect or if there is a disconnect between the way that designers and architects are perceived and what we're actually doing, right? Is there a disconnect there? And maybe what do you wish people knew about what goes into this process and what they should be valuing? Sure. I, I think people underestimate how much work it takes to actually come up with a creative and uh, complete package uh, so that you can go to market with a great design that's really been figured out for a budget that's been established and puts you in a position where the client is happy with the product that you're uh, doing and also allows everyone else on the team, the contractor, et cetera, to be in a position where they respect the work that you're doing because it's thorough. And it's not just a bunch of pretty pictures that you've sketched out on a piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. You know, just having been exposed now to the process that goes behind the scenes to create these these visual reactions is so thorough and amazing. Uh, Amanda, how about you? Um, I would probably add on to what AJ's saying, and I completely agree. Uh, since I am more in the interior design field and focused on you know office space and developing those spaces for our clients. Uh, when I mention that I'm an interior designer, you always get the, oh, you should come to my house and pick out some pillows or drink. <laughs> I think there's a real misconception, especially in the work we do at Walcott, that, you know, the, the, the end result, the look and feel, uh, and obviously the environments we create are what you see, but there's so much more behind the scenes that we deal with from a infrastructure, uh, you know, integrating the technology, the power, the HVAC all the underlying functional requirements that we work out um, behind the scenes that you don't see and you probably shouldn't see. It should be uh, you know, integral to the design. You know, just piggybacking on what Amanda and AJ said, I, I think they captured it well. Um, in its most simplistic form, I, I, I think the things that people really don't appreciate 
is is when we get into a, a proper level of detail. You know, to, mm. to, to create meaningful pieces of architecture, uh, it, it, it just can't be one big move, one big stroke that, that, that brings it home. It really is the attention to detail and the nuances of the space, right? The, the things that people that live in that space would, would actually appreciate. Um, I, I think that's where, where you distinguish yourself from, from being good to, to, to being average, uh, to being okay. And, and I think that's lost on a lot of people, you know, get, getting to that final, uh, to that final level of detail is, is difficult and it's time consuming. Um, and most people don't have the patience to go through the process of, of allowing that to happen. Um, yeah. so, so if, if the question is, what do I wish more people would be receptive to or understanding of it's, it's that what we do takes time and, and you can't rush it. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a couple of things have been said here that really lead into a question I've been wanting to ask, which is, you know, Amanda, you kind of mentioned wanting people to understand that there's so much beyond what they see. And Carlos, you wanting people to understand the value of everything else that's going on, you know, behind the scenes to kind of bring these projects and these spaces to life. So more and more, you know, we're seeing this this drive and this push towards everything we engage with being experiential, right? The brands we engage with, marketing, uh, events, even spaces, we want them not just to be things we, we occupy or do, we want them to be things we experience. And so I, I'm curious, how is that, how has that potentially changed the way we approach projects or uh, impacted the designs we come up with for these spaces? Yeah, I, so the, the challenge you have with experiences is as you go through life, what you consider good and bad experiences changes as you get older based on your life experiences. Hmm. Also, time changes experience, right? So you can have some social issue that's going on out in the world or something that's driving a specific experience that you'd like to drive like now, right, with the pandemic, where you're creating environments around that, but in six months to a year from now, that may all change. So part of the challenge with designing to experience, and I'm, I'm not disagreeing, I think that's what we're being, that's what's being requested of us, is when you have five generations in the workplace, which is what we have right now, from the old people to the young people, everyone requires a different type of experience to, to, to have this creative vibe about them or, or have this vibe that they want to be around and want to work in. And that's really where the challenge becomes, is that you have to figure out some type of neutral setting in this experience, but it has to be unique enough that's not dated. So when we talk about creating yeah. designs, we used to talk about creating a timeless design, right? Which basically means it's neutral and a safe design, which is not what we're about. Uh, but it's the same thing with an experience. If, we, if we're going to create an experience, we have to be really smart to not have it as a dated experience, like, oh, that was done in 2020. Uh, so it's, it's, it's really, you've got to be a magician and, and come up with real creative ways that whatever space you design has to be a chameleon. And it has to be able to change with time with the people so that one or the other don't get left behind. Yeah, that's great perspective on that and really clarifies, you know, the, the challenge right now of what's the goal of timeless design? Is that even the goal right now? Is that the thing that's going to be most functional? What constitutes timeless design right now? I think that's really interesting. Uh, Amanda, how about you? Well, one of the reasons I, I 
love and enjoy interior, especially commercial interior design, is that typically, you know, we're designing space that will likely live on for 10 years, 15, probably no more than 20 years. So it doesn't have to be as timeless necessarily as some of the larger architectural projects that Walcott does, um, which I think gives us a little bit more leverage to uh, to be a little bit more daring in what we're bringing to the table to really tell the current story of the company, but in a way that's flexible enough that if, as it evolves, and I think you know, this is where technology plays in. And, and it, again, you know, the last few years we're seeing more and more, you know, kind of audiovisual tech solutions solve some of those problems so that you don't have to reinvent a whole floor or floor plan or, or a space uh, around the, the concept of timeless design. The backbone can be really clean and simple, tell the client's story, but the story evolves through uh, elements, you know, like technology or finishes that are more easily changeable. And the people going through the space, you know, they're part of the the experience, you know, and their energy and what they bring. So it also, to me, when we're laying out a space, it's not just the look and feel, it's the first impression when you come in, you know, how do you, uh, how do you experience that first impression and how does it take you through the rest of the, the space or floors in the building? Yeah, I love that. And it's so great to be here at Walcott where that merger of disciplines really is uh, front and center. So it's, it's really cool to see how that comes to life. Carlos, how about you? So for me, it's interesting, right? Because I, I think in our schooling, it, it wasn't neglected. It was always there, right? That there's there's always a reason for everything that you do, right? It, it's, it's, we're taught to, to design in a holistic way, not, not in a way that's purely about form, not in a way that's purely about aesthetic. There's always meant to be a narrative or a story uh, behind it. I, I feel like the difference now is that the the our consumers, if you will, our our clients, are now asking for that. Um, so so we we in the field uh, have a tendency to always take for granted the things that we do. Right, we do it so often; it, it almost becomes second nature. We we don't think of it as being special or or as being uh, overly thoughtful. We just think of it as that's our baseline. That's we're supposed to do that. I don't have to explain that to you because we're supposed to. Mm. And so I, I think creating spaces that 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 uh, elicit a certain uh, uh, reaction is always what we've done. It, it, that really hasn't changed. Uh, what has changed is that now we explain it and now we elaborate on that more uh, because people want us to. So it's almost like uh, the saying of, of talk to your audience, right? Uh, the majority of the people we speak to now are, are craving that that experience. They want to know why their uh, space is special, where maybe, I don't know, five to 10 years ago, it was more driven by uh, how can I make money off of this or how is it being efficient? So, so we change the conversation when we present to them. It doesn't mean we're not doing both of these things, right? Like it, I could I could be in a presentation now and only talk about experience it's still my job to make sure it's efficient. It's still my job to make sure that it, it hits a certain number, but I've just changed what I want to describe about my particular project based on who it is that I'm talking to. If, if you're doing design and you're doing it well, you're capturing all of these things in it, right? And, mm. and again, it, it's almost like you do it in a subliminal way. You don't have to explain it to people, but, but it's still your job to do that. Yeah, that's so good. So I have to bring up uh, the thing that, that we're all really engrossed in right now, which is just the impact that 
the current landscape with coronavirus, uh, what that's done to our industry. And, you know, this is going to be a topic of conversation on many future episodes with a lot of in-depth insight and analysis uh, because, you know, we've all been engrossed in this conversation nonstop. But I think maybe to set the table for those future conversations, I'd love just to kind of get a read from all of you on what are some of the biggest takeaways you've had so far with how we're approaching this, how the industry is approaching this, what's going to change going forward. And Carlos, this time we'll start with you. Well, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting and loaded question, right? Um, I, I, I think architecturally we can find solutions. We, we've all heard the six foot uh, that's uh, uh, migrated to nine that went back to six feet again, distancing. So there, there's the obvious things that, that we can all do. Um, that impact our space. I, I think uh, one of the things we need to be cautious of as, as design professionals is to not overdo it, to not be overreactionary and, and start to design spaces that feel uh, uh, like, they, like they're hospital spaces more so than they are spaces where, where you're meant to be comfortable and relax and, 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 and uh, live your life in a casual way. Um, I, I think uh, it's our job to make sure that we're smart about some of these decisions um with without overreacting uh I, I also think something that's that's interesting is the the psychological impact of it right the things that that uh we don't really uh think about as much or, or give too much importance to but but they're always there in the background um for instance uh i'm going to visit my mother this weekend and uh i actually went and took a, a test to make sure I don't have this because my mom's obviously older, right? Um, so, so now no longer is it for me going from my house to my mother's house and seeing her and, and it being, you know, like, like, like her, her, her son seeing a mother. It's, it's, there's this middle spot where I now have to worry about what could happen, right? So when you start to think about going back to the office, it, it, it's no longer that moment of I just wake up, I just go back to the office, I go about my day, I move on. There's this, this added psychological element um, that I think we all just have to be cautious of uh, when we start to interact with with our clients and when we start to, again, uh, explain to them what it is that we're doing with their job. Uh, know your audience, know the things that you have to talk about, uh, know how you present, that, that's going to get mixed into the equation, right? So now on top of just doing good design, on top of being efficient with time, so we hit schedules, on top of being efficient with big moves so that we come within budget, uh, we now have to say, where is this client? Uh, at this moment in time, and and what are the things that they want to hear about this particular project? Um, so so to me, it's 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 not overly cumbersome or complicated. It's just one more thing in the big holistic approach that we have to bake into the equation. Um, but but we the psychological part of it, I think, is what's going to be interesting and in how we start to interact with other people because that's a lot of what we do is that right? It's yeah. we, we of course we do design. Um, but on, on a personal level, you have to be able to interact with someone and convey these complicated ideas in a way that registers. Um, and some of these ideas, when you start to deal with people's psyche and, and are they scared, are they worried, are they confused, um, just adds another layer to our job. Uh, you know, uh, what we do and where we thrive is, uh, and I think we would all agree and believe in that space supports and defines culture for both our own office and office locations, as well as our clients. Um, and my biggest concern is how do we really dig in there and make sure that companies aren't losing the culture as they continue 
probably to work uh, primarily remotely. I also feel like right now everyone's call, following that red dot, like a bunch of crazy cats and no one's really leading the charge or feels comfortable leading because, you know, everything changes daily. And so there's just so much uncertainty. But I think the silver lining is more than ever, we are finding that our industry partners, not just our direct clients and consumers, but the real estate industry, the furniture industry, you know, everybody has really come to the table and tried to solve this together and are sharing ideas and, and, and sort of coping together, which I think does feel good. So while we're not able to have actual human connection in person, I do feel like more than ever we're, we're connecting and trying to problem solve this together, which, which again, if we're going to try to find silver linings, which I do every day, that's one of them. Finding community wherever we can find it right now. Uh, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> AJ, you want to finish us off? It's interesting when you think about this, sometimes it takes a huge event to make you rethink the tools at, at hand. So if you take Pearl Harbor, since then we've never put all of our ships in one harbor and put ourselves in a vulnerable position where we could get completely knocked out. I think what this whole situation has done is it made us realize, look, there's other factors there are other items, there are wildfires, there's traffic, there's earthquakes, there's sickness, there's all sorts of things that can come up. And how resilient can we be by using the tools at hand, whether that's technology, or even just thinking outside the box and how you might work. So instead of having a nine to five day, maybe work a couple hours in the morning, a couple hours in the day, and that allows you to take care of family, etc. So I, I see it as a huge opportunity and a, a, a a really swift kick in the tail to make us rethink uh, both our personal and our professional lifestyles that we have. You know, I think it's so interesting that all three of you kind of touched on this idea that as the situation evolves, we're seeing more and more this need for spaces to become catalysts of culture, right? And, and as we balance that against, well, how do we keep them safe? And considering, like Carlos mentioned, you know, not becoming too much like a hospital, right? So what's what's becoming the true value of space? What is it evolving to now that a lot of the things that we've traditionally just kind of taken for granted are having to change? You know, Alex, I, one thing we're hearing from many of our clients and experiencing ourselves is that technology cannot replace the the creative process and the direct interaction that people have at least they haven't yet and um, I I think that that will by nature of us being social beings and wanting to interact and problem solve together and in not just the design industry and architecture but in all industries will force us back into some kind of a new office space environment where collaboration is still uh, you know key those you know, spontaneous moments, you can't have those on Zoom. And, you know, that's not, again, just limited to us. I think our clients are feeling that too, especially when it comes to, you know, creative entertainment technology type companies. So I think we will be back, obviously not the same way. Um, But it, you know, we're not, we're not going to work remotely indefinitely. I just don't think it's going to happen. We need that interaction at the, at a workplace or a space. Absolutely. Well, thank you, all of you, for joining me here today. This was so fun. And, uh, you know, especially this is kind of, I think, officially my, my one month here at Walcott, you know, on top of the processes 
getting to learn about the people, right? And and these conversations are so meaningful and so special, and I'm just learning so much. And so this was awesome. I know we have a lot of exciting conversations on the horizon, so I look forward to that. And thank you all for being a part of this official first one. Thank you. Yeah, great, Alex. Thanks a lot, man.